0: Love Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about...
1: Uh, I'm so glad that you joined us for our broadcast today We are um, swatting by the seat of our pants, I think Um, But first of all, I never noticed I mean, I did, but I didn't put two and two together Now, the voice on that, on our opening song The one that sings You know what I'm talking about? uh, Yes Right? I noticed that that person whoever sings it Has a very similar accent to yours.
2: Yeah, that's my friend G. Ski Rock. Yep.
1: Oh, who's the, who's the one that raps then? Are you saying
2: That That's him too.
1: Okay, so he's singing and he's doing the rapping lyrics. Yes. Okay, because I was going to say that the way he talks is so much like the way you talk and how, how you pronounce it that I was wondering if he had you singing the lyrics.
2: Well, I'm flattered, but no, I couldn't sing that well to save my life.
1: <laughs> okay, well then let's, let's praise the Lord for those who sing well.
2: Right. Hi Melissa, you're on you're on live with us as well, my friend.
1: Hello friends. Hey there. How are you? Uh, well, you want me to be I honest?
3: <laughs> I am uh, insane right now. Just so much going on, but um, it's been a long, crazy, busy week. But praise God, I got through it, and we all got through it, and we're here and once again. Yep. Amen,
1: I,
2: I hear that. Yeah, I'm going to my first tea party speaking event tonight. So let's, get this, let's get this party started right. You know how we do it. Deuteronomy yep. chapter 13, verse 19 says, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, we are thankful for another opportunity to host True Life Friday's radio here on True Radio Presents on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Father, I ask you right now to just be with Letitia and... Conway and family as they're out in Arizona visiting with their family. And and Lord, also be with Devin and Melissa and their little beautiful baby girl there in North Carolina, Father. And just bless the show today, Father. Bless Carrie and Troy and any of our other guests that's going to be on today as they present information that is important and relevant to the pro-life fight. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, and we bless you for just giving us another opportunity to wake up. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, you so, Leticia, what, what you got for uh, us? Uh, well, you know what happened last? Last week uh, we had a little bit of a technology hiccup, so we have a bit of a backlog of news to talk about. Uh, one of those things uh, why you, I wanted to—I say that I have been too busy, too busy to be offended. Have you ever been too busy to be offended by something? It's mm-hmm. <laughs> some <place>, Yeah. <laughs> there, there is like you don't even have time to get angry about something even though you really you really should because something awful just happened or you hurt something that uh, that deserves some consternation. Well, these past few weeks for me have been crazy busy, I think with all of us. And so that's why our shows kind of look like we just flew in on air and we're like, oh, let's go. No. Oh, yeah, that's, that's literally all through. And so for the past right. few weeks, I have been so – I have been – so slammed with things taking up my time that I saw headlines and I read stories, but I literally have not had time to get upset about things that are not quite right. And one of those things, and I know that you guys hear me on this, just too busy to get angry, too busy to be offended. One of those things was last week Planned Parenthood, at all decided to publicize uh, their statement that God approves of abortion. It's an innocent. That wait, 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 wait. Whoa,
2: whoa, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. They did what?
1: Right. I'm So I'm sitting in the car right now, so I don't have anything to to refer to and pull up, but Planned Parenthood and company came out last week with, a—I I think it was a billboard, that basically said that for those who may have conscience problems with abortion, gee, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something there if you have a conscience problem, but um, if you have a conscience problem and you are thinking that God may not approve of abortion, well, good news. That conscience problem is not an issue because God does approve of abortion, and uh, you can, in good conscience, so the bad conscience that you have, go ahead and ignore it, in good conscience, go ahead and have an abortion because God's okay with that. And the reason God is okay with that is because Clergy. Certain members of the clergy are okay with that. And they've kind of written it off as something that is a lie to you morally. So this reminds me me of a couple of years ago when the 40 Days for Life campaign had hit its maximum. I mean, it it had gone worldwide and having an enormous impact on women who were considering abortion, changing their minds because somebody was outside to pray for them, offer them help, and counsel <coughs> them right there in front of abortion the facilities. They were having such a big impact that the pro-abortion left decided to hit that and with a response of their own. A 40 days of prayer for abortion. I would say we can take out some words and say the 40 days of abortion campaign. <laughs> and you and I can sit here and chuckle about that, as ridiculous as it sounds. Yeah. Because from the left, they can only imitate what they see that is a good idea from people of good conscience. So this, this whole idea is, is, yeah, I have to harken back to those who I what out am referring to will understand it fast, but I'm going to refer to uh, a, a good Christian apologist on the radio that I know. His name is Hank Hanegraff. He's the Bible Answer Man. And he says repeatedly that the devil can only imitate what God has done. He imitates and he twists it and he makes it an evil thing. And this is locked up completely within the mold of what that what he has said. This is Planned Parenthood doing exactly that. It was the pro-abortion uh, groups with their 40 days of abortion a couple of years ago, exactly the same. I'm not appalled. I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not even disappointed. I'm kind of, I, I kind of expected as much smarmy work from them, but it's also at the same time a little offensive to see. Now, I have had some time to sit down and analyze this and realize this is what is happening so to give it the proper amount of offense it deserves. So I don't know, have you guys seen
3: any of that? Melissa, did you see that happening last week? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see that story, but I was familiar with the um whole forty days of prayer or something for abortion, um um, when they attended a counter the Forty Days for Life campaign, um, which is a joke. <laughs> um, when you look at the national effort of the Forty Days for Life campaign and how many thousands of people participated and how many Babies were saved, and these sort of things. It's like you said; they can only try to mirror that. Um, liberals um, don't unite like 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 the body of Christ does, and so they have to um, just kind of piggyback, try to piggyback on the 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 positive things that we're doing, and and put a negative spin on it. But this whole invoking God, it's just I mean, it's what we see in the scriptures. Um, in terms of uh, you know just evil and you know, a type, you know, behavior and promoting um, that which which God abhors and hates, and you know, it's just it's really sad to 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 um, invoke Him to to try to spread their you know their uh, their ideals of murder. Um, so I, I but like you, I'm not surprised. Like it, it's really sad, you know, like like you said earlier, you read these headlines and and you're just not even surprised anymore. You know, it's like the hey, shop my- value is just gone almost because um, hey, they're pushing compl- the ed- envelope. Yes.
2: Let me jump in real quick. Are you? Were you able to connect and get into the into the chat room or in studio
3: and stuff? No, I can. I can attempt to. I can. I wasn't able to, but I can try to. Are you having problems? Okay, a problem? so I just, No, no, I'm. I'm in there now,
2: but my. um, I'm getting ready to roll, so I need to make sure that because I'm running the studio from my phone, and I need to know that everything will be okay when I put myself on mute because I'm going to be heading to my tea party event, literally getting ready to leave. So I'll be there, but I'll just be listening from my phone on mute and running things if you can. not I'll still be connected just as a backup. So. Okay. Okay. Okay, um, but I wanted to speak on what you guys just said about that bill, Apparently, somebody didn't read Deuteronomy chapter thirty verse nineteen. I mean, when did God change his mind? Please anybody can Leticia, can you expound on that for me?
1: <clears throat> well, um and will get a couple of different answers if you if you ask me. Why did God change his mind? I don't think God never changed his mind, that life means life, if no means no. Uh, and you get what I mean. Uh, so, people have to understand that life is always regarded as life from the womb. Not outside of the womb, but from inside the womb. And at no point in time is, is God ever treating anybody inside the womb or outside the womb with the difference between no regard and full regard. There's always been regard for life, and for for people to come along and say that you can, as a person who believes in God and believes in morals and all this stuff, approve of abortion and it's okay with God. You can you can make that peace with God is really outside the it's outside the boundaries, it's outside the boundaries as
3: far as life. Terms. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, have also, they have have they had any success in terms of uh trying to promote this campaign or?
1: Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it I don't heard any much follow up. I have not been online scouring uh stories about this uh too tremendously much in the last week and a half. Uh I kinda of looked at that and when I saw it. It was like the story, I mean, it was a little bit, to me, it struck me as the same as when Hillary Clinton came out and said that she and her pen, Bill, left the White House dead well. I said, Mm -hmm. I don't think I believe this any further than I can throw both of you. Can't. I just can't. But as far as believability is, I believe that they would say a thing like that. I just have trouble believing that they think, and anybody would take them seriously, and that goes for both stories.
3: <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the other, the uh,
1: I mean, as far as good, good news, bad news. Uh, that was the bad news. Uh, we'll certainly be following that story and giving you updates about this particular, uh, this particular issue. And probably talk about it extensively, you know, what is the theological position about abortion? I mean, we kind of look at it as very black and white, but apparently people have trouble discerning that it is black and white. We might deal with that. I do have a praise, though, and that is that Justina Peltier will be going home to her mother and father and her family. Yeah, I think and she already did, she actually. Died. Yes. I've been wanting to do a story about her, and we've had so many other issues crop up that were also worthy of being talked about. We haven't quite gotten to it, but I just wanted to make that announcement that I am so glad and praising God that a judge finally saw that a daughter should belong with her parents, who obviously are caring for her the right way. Uh, I think the, the horrible thing about of health story is the invasion of, of doctors without a backup. Uh, and what I mean by that is usually people get second opinions and third opinions before they step in and sever ties and sever the parent's authority to care for their own children. And that's mm-hmm. what happened here. That was essentially what happened in this health case. Mm-hmm. Doc, doctor, doctors determined that Justina health who was previously diagnosed with mitochondrial disease, really had a psychiatric disorder and it was being fueled by her parents. So parents and, and Justina, who was 15 at the time, uh, were essentially suffering some kind of delusion on their part as to what was causing her illness. So they filed a, uh, a complaint of some kind to Child Protective Services and had an injunction put, put against her parents, removed her from the home or the hospital where she was being treated, and put her in Child Protective Custody. You know, if, if they were concerned that she was being abused, normally you need more proof than that. You don't need a medical diagnosis. Is not, is not proof of child abuse. In fact, all the evidence seemed to point the other way, that the parents were taking as good care of her as they humanly could. Now, the human error occurred on the part of the doctors. Doctors at, I think it was Boston, uh, the hospital in Boston. Now, my question to that particular uh, aspect is why didn't these doctors get a second opinion and a third opinion back up their diagnosis that she was struggling with a psychiatric condition? They had no reason to go ahead and file a complaint or an order to get uh, Justina removed from her home based on their own opinion alone. I think the Peltier family has suffered a grave injustice. In this, and they ought to sue the doctors for taking such action that had removed her from her home for 13 months. This girl had a birthday without being at home with her family, and her condition deteriorated while she was in the hospital. I mean, if they wanted to help her, how is that helping her?
3: Right, just definitely an intrusion on her parents and her rights, and definitely doesn't sound right, does it?
1: Well, I think it's a sign of how some doctors are treating patients more and more. I mean, we talk a lot about end-of-life issues, too, where doctors take it upon themselves to make pronouncements of quality of life and whether or not, Treatment, medical treatment, is sufficient for somebody who is going to uh, undergoing some uh, undergo some uh, some some issues. They decide whether you live or die based on their assessment of how well they think you're going to live if you live. And that is not what medicine fundamentally is about. That is deciding someone's future and you cross over from medicine to uh, determining somebody's life, that's a a huge boundary to cross. And doctors do not have the moral authority for that. They think they do, and that's the problem. They think they do, but it's not the right of the doctor to do that. It's the right of the patient and the right of the patient's family to make end-of-life decisions and how that's going to occur, I would hope that patients and their families would respect life, even if it's their own so much, um, that they would seek to do the right moral thing with respect to life and not end it prematurely just for difficulty's sake. I think certainly we've had men go to war and suffer just as much uh, pain and injury and illness as uh, mm-hmm. anybody in a hospital. But they get up and they have a different perspective. We have soldiers that have different perspectives. We don't have soldiers that get you know, that that have a regular culture of that with them. They have they know that they're living for a purpose that's greater than their own lives. And if only we could all live that way and have that sense of purpose. But sadly I think we don't.
3: Mhm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say how encouraged I am um, by the pro-life community coming together around Justina's family um, because we this is a pro-life issue. Um, we're dealing with the sanctity of human life and how exactly. <coughs> it should be treated, and how um, and healthcare is very much a part of that in terms of the preservation of life and um, you know and and all those things that go along with that. So I'm, I've just been very impressed with the pro-life community um, rallying around this issue and um, being very instrumental in just getting to go home.
1: Amen. And c- contrast that to what happened to Casey Kasem earlier uh, earlier in the week. Is it earlier in the week or last week? I think I'm, my days are getting run together now. But Casey Kasem, and I, everybody that understands or recognizes that name, he was the radio host of America's Top Twenty for decades, decades upon decades. It was a pretty famous guy his own right. His daughter won the right to, from a judge to withhold food and water and medicine from him uh, in, in, in his last days, basically consigning him to death by starvation, death by dehydration. Same thing is happening uh, in the Terry Schiavo case. In fact, her brother. Um, her brother wrote an op-ed in, in com, I believe, about this. And he says, there's nothing merciful about starving and dehydrating somebody to death. We think that mm-hmm. we're giving them a merciful death. It's a very painful process. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm surprised he had to, to write that in such obvious terms. We know that dehydrating somebody to death is a painful way to die. Well, sadly, he did not. He died before he succumbed to dehydration. Um, but here's the thing. The, 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 doctor, the coroner's report, medical examiner's report, that he died of sepsis, the bacterial infection in the blood. Why did he have a bacterial infection in blood? That is exactly what happened his daughter won the right to withhold food, water, and medication, which would have included routine antibiotics for those who are ill to ward off bacterial infection. Well, you take that antibiotic away and people will succumb to bacterial infection rather quickly if they're immunocompromised. So, Ms. There was this effort to doubt whether or not she was responsible for his death because he didn't technically starve to death or dehydrate to death. No, but when you don't have the medication that he should have had, that's what caused his death. He was overcome by an infection he wouldn't have had if he had medication.
3: Right. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's, uh... It's a debate about, the whole debate is interesting about whether or not food and water are considered medical treatments. And right. we don't consider food and water medical treatments, and, and withholding that is not um, the same as, you know, withholding, you know, or or stopping chemotherapy or, or some other type of artificial right. life support.
1: Right. It,
3: it's, they're nutrients for your body.
1: But I mean, we they're should necessities very, for your body. Live. We should be very, very Afraid of this idea that food and water are considered medicine or medical intervention. Very afraid.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, you wouldn't think you. You know, we're it's like 2014, and you would not think that these are the debates that we'd be having. Um, that food and water are are not, you know. Necessary necessary for life, um, right. that withholding them will cause, you know, death, <laughs> that that will be the cause of death, as opposed to the sickness and these sort of things.
1: Right, exactly. Hey, listen, I just had a run. Um, I know Sherry Bowe will be on and substituting as my interview host today, so my, my thanks to him, and I believe Bud Schaefer will be on as our guest. My, there I will be listening in the archives, um, and I want to take a, make a shout-out to Terry for taking this roll on, literally up in that last moment, even after a technical hiccup like we had last week. Uh, just so much thanks and so much gratefulness, and to my co-host, Thomas and Melissa, for hanging in there with me. Well, uh, yeah,
3: I, I, think Thomas is- <laughs> yeah since I think Thomas is gone, so
1: um, I think
3: it's just me today. Um
1: so oh, right. are, well, you are Thomas? the woman yeah, he may be back in a little bit so He may be in a little bit uh, But okay. right now, you are the woman So, please play the ads And the music, and I I've got to run, but hopefully our guests Will be on, and not just hey, your shows.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, well, our, our guest is on hold And, um, let's just say thanks For all the great information, um, as always Each week, and for a wonderful monologue and uh, keeping us up to date with what is going on in the world of uh, the pro-life movement and these uh, these very important headlines. And thanks for holding down the
1: court, lady.
3: You're
1: awesome. Yes, ma'am. Have a good
3: day. I don't know about that. We'll see afterwards um, if I'm awesome <laughs> or not.
1: <laughs> You'll be great. Oh, I know you are. Have a good night. Bye-bye.
3: Yes, ma'am. Well, joining us now um is uh our uh, someone who's not a stranger to the broadcast of True Life Fridays um we have with us Kerry Vogue and Kerry um is with Project wildfire and I'll have him explain all about what uh he does with Project wildfire and what they are all about and we're really excited to have him sitting in with us uh for Letitia. Kerry are you there? I'm
4: here.
3: Great. Well, How thank are you, you so much for uh, I'm great and i Thank you so much for uh, uh, coming and joining us um, on such short notice today. And uh, we will uh, roll with it today, <laughs> just me and you All so far, right. um, and uh, have a good time and, uh, and learn some right. things.
4: <laughs> Thank you. And um, hello, everyone. And I'm Carrie Bogue. I'm with Project Wildfire, Exposing Planned Parenthood. A little bit later on today, we're going to have Bud Shaver, who's with uh, Protest Albuquerque. And uh, for those of you that don't know anything about what's going on in Albuquerque, uh, sadly, it is the destination of choice in the country for late-term abortion. And literally, you can have a late-term abortion up until day of birth in Albuquerque. And we're going to talk to Bud, who's had a tremendous, uh, still having a tremendous uh, work and effort to try to fight this horrible thing. And so many things have happened, and it's just a real interesting topic to talk about. Uh, hmm. and, but I'll be calling in in about a little less than 10 minutes. So a couple okay, things I'd like to talk about we've had that, hmm. that have happened. We had a, a a big tweet fest, and that was a lot of people were involved in that, the SBA list, Students for Life of America, um, and uh, let's see who else. There were some, some big-time names involved in it. I know that Joe Stanek and other people from uh, – Life Life News Network were involved in it And what it was is They Feel Pain Tweet Fest And basically what ended up happening A year ago uh, The day of the Tweet Fest Which uh, was Tuesday um, They had passed Thanks to a congressman uh, The fetal uh, Ban on on abortion After 20 weeks Because they do feel pain There is significant proof uh, in fact, the biggest argument that the pro-abortion crowd has um, against whether or not there's proof mm-hmm. is that well, you we don't have you can't prove 100% positively from your studies that the that the uh, the babies inside the womb at that point actually feel pain. Well, it's mm-hmm. not much of an argument as, as you can imagine. We're, so uh, we have we have a pretty good tweet is the
1: first one. Uh-huh.
4: Yeah, well, the first one actually was good. We we uh, that was a year ago, and, and it brought a lot of attention. But um, once again, they ran another article uh, this week in uh, on the Blaze, and and of course our abortion president, I like to call him Abortion Ken, mm-hmm. decided that uh, he no matter what happens, he, if the Senate does decide to bring it to a vote, and they didn't. Um, they would, he would automatically veto it because he's concerned with women's reproductive freedom and their right to choice. Wow! So the reality we all know the reality, which is 70% of women in America are against late-term abortion. So this is what it's mm-hmm. about: is payback for Planned Parenthood, and and right. uh, the president is, you know, not not about to change his. Uh, is payback of Planned Parenthood. They've gotten millions and millions of dollars, probably 20 times mm-hmm. what they get to get them elected they've received in um, uh,
0: stepping right. into
4: Obamacare. They're getting all the money. They're getting a part of the surcharge, which now anybody that's on Obamacare has to pay a minimum of $1 per month towards abortion if you are in mm-hmm. the game. That's a pretty sad thing. So um, right. that, that's unfortunate. And uh, so what we did, we brought attention to the fact, and and, uh, I think what's happened, and and this has kind of been my area um, where I've sort of find your own niche in pro-life, we're going to talk a little bit about that with Bud, but uh, I think that's something that I've been real involved in. And what I've noticed is Planned Parenthood has very slowly learned its lesson, which is this, that when they come on and try to fight with pro-life people, what that mm-hmm. in effect does is it causes the hashtag to trend. So if the hashtag is they feel pain and you've got mm-hmm. an equal number of Planned Parenthood pro boards tweeting, um, mocking statements or claiming that they're just blobs of tissue and it doesn't matter. And there's nothing to feel mm-hmm. pain about what ends up happening is the hashtag trend. That's what they don't want. So, um, Fine. it caught on and, um, <clears throat> And so they, it's make making it more and more difficult to uh trend. But that's okay. We had a we had a big response. We had seven thousand people were invited. And right. um, we had a lot of people tweeting. I think we were up to like a hundred and twenty tweets a minute at one point. So we oh, were great. on the verge of tweeting the entire four hours. Did you wow. get a chance to get involved in that Melissa?
3: I did, I did. And you know, I was gonna I was gonna actually um have you Carrie, explain to people why these tweet fests are important. And and you mentioned about how (laughs) it makes um, certain topics trend. Um, Because I think some people think, you know, well, this is just silly. This isn't making a difference. This is, you know, a waste of time. And um, and I used to think that as well until I really understood the importance of these um, tweet fests. So explain what happens and why why it's important that that people um, actually get involved.
4: That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um,
3: Mm -hmm. Really,
4: my... My uh, entry into tweeting was the Gosnell Tweet Fest. And for those of you who don't know, most people do now, but at that point, Kermit Gosnell was just a name that nobody knew. It's just some weird name. It's not a frog. And um, what had happened was he was the Philadelphia abortionist that had literally snipped during during late-term abortions, which were not legal in Philadelphia, uh, he had snipped the necks of hundreds of hundreds of infants born alive. There was proof. The DA has checked it out. And the media, in their um, insistence on never saying anything negative about pro-choice, refused to cover the trial. And Mm -hmm. there was no attention at all being brought to it. In fact, uh, J.D. Mullane, who became very instrumental in this, tweeted out a picture of an empty courtroom. CBS, NBC, ABC, New York Times, Washington Post, it showed an empty spot in the courtroom where all of them had media seats available because it was a major trial. This guy was literally a mass murderer. And those of us who know who who Kermit Gosnell is now know what a big deal what he did was. It was a huge Mm -hmm. deal. But out of fear of making the pro-choice issue turn, they refused to cover it. I think one lady at the Washington Post later when she was asked uh, why they didn't cover it was she said that was a local story. Well, you know, I guess uh, I guess Columbine is a local story, too, and so is the shootings in Colorado. I mean, if you want to look at it like that, they're all local wow. stories, which is absurd. But here's what happened. Uh, there was probably 16,000 people uh, that were tweeting, and there was 30,000 people invited. And, um we trended number one on Twitter for almost 16 hours straight, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it brought national attention. There was just no way to ignore that. You know, anybody that looks, uh, as Twitter, just looks over to the left and it says, United States Trends, and it will show you where things are in the trend list. And the number one trend was, who is Kermit Gas now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the next day, um, a Democrat, Kirsten Powers wrote an op-ed in the USA Today just ripping the media. She said, I'm a Democrat, and Kirsten happens to be pro-life. She said, but it's embarrassing what lengths we're willing to go to not cover Mm. a news story out of our own bias. And we have forgotten what belongs on page one because this is a mass murderer that's killed hundreds of infants born alive. This wasn't even abortion. I mean, that's the insanity of it. So, yeah other than keep, keep going on and on about it, that had a major effect. And I think anyone that looks back over the last two years
3: uh, mm-hmm. in
4: the pro-life world uh, will tell you that one of the big turning points in pro-life has been um, the Gosnell tweet fest. And that, that in fact, got a lot of attention brought to that issue. And all of a sudden people started saying, wait a minute, are you kidding me? And why isn't the media covering mm-hmm. this and, and started asking the, the questions that should have been asked all along, and um, and mm-hmm. then late-term abortion has really been on the on the um, under the spotlight and being looked at right. hard, which should be so. we um, yeah. should have Bud Shaver calling in, in, any, in any minute. So you just let okay. me know when yeah. he calls in, but he,
3: Yeah, I'm he, a, uh, monitoring the video for wait, anticipating this call with the board to, to talk with them. But yeah, you're right um, with the Gosnell incident and. And his murder trial was uh you know that was just tanus of why it is important for us to to use our our social media accounts to bring awareness to these issues um because there there is so much cover up and um the more attention that we can we're only going to win as as we bring attention to what is really going on and what abortion is um and the horrors of it so um, is a, a great opportunity for us as pro-lifers to do something and to um, expose the truth of, of abortion. But we do have Bud. go ahead, Kiri. Real
4: quick, hey, hey Bud, we're just finishing up a little discussion about the importance of Tweet Fest. You know, one of the things people don't realize either is that when you go on Facebook and you make a post, and let's say there's a page, and it's a Planned Parenthood page, and you say, "You guys are." are evil and you're killing babies, nobody sees that. But every right. single person on Twitter has a voice that literally has the opportunity for that tweet to go viral, be heard around the entire world. And take a look, one, one other example, and I'm gonna, I am want to talk to Bud, but the other example is when Wendy Davis, uh, that whole thing in Texas was going on and she, uh, mm-hmm. they had the filibuster and they were talking about how great she was and then pro-life jumped in the middle of that and just took it over. And her life absolutely dominated the conversation. She became a laughing stock. And it really got a chance for everyone in the nation to see what kind of people. I mean, the women that were standing out in front of um, the courthouse in Texas were standing there with urine and feces to throw it on the co-lifers. They were were just unbelievable. And uh, that's the kind of people that were standing up demanding abortion on demand with no apology. And um, right. that's – Wendy Davis literally, because of that, has had to, uh, in her run for governor, back off and say that she's really pro-life and she's really against late-term abortion. And she just meant mm-hmm. to say that she's for abortion up to 24 weeks instead of 20 weeks. But my point mm-hmm. being is this, that that changed the conversation. So
1: mm-hmm. if mm-hmm.
4: you're pro-life mm-hmm. and you want to do something from your little computer screen uh, – You can do that, but you can do more than that, too, and Bud Shaver is someone that does much, much more than sit behind a computer screen, and Bud is with Protest Albuquerque. Bud, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi,
3: Bud. I'm I'm excited to talk with you.
5: (laughs) Yes, thank you for having me. I'm I'm, I'm honored to be on the show.
3: Yeah, I had a... We're glad to
5: have you.
4: Just so I'll give you a quick background on Bud, if it's okay, um... And Bud, Bud is, uh, with Protest Albuquerque, as, as I was mentioning earlier on the show, Albuquerque, New Mexico, is the destination of choice for late-term abortion, and you can literally abort babies up through day of birth. And Bud has been the center of the controversy, uh, standing out in front of that abortion clinic, tracking and monitoring the horrible things that go on, the amount of money that they cost. I think, Bud, does, isn't it true that the, the later the um, the date, the farther along their pregnancy is, the, the more it costs?
5: Yeah, that's correct. On our um, website, protestabq.com, you can go to videos and see um, video footage of um, um, the actual cost of a, of a 30-week abortion around $12,000 to uh, $16,000. A 28-week abortion is around $9,000. And this is from the clinic staff at Southwestern's Women's Options. So that's where the money is in the abortion industry is in late-term abortion. Mm-hmm. I know we were going to talk about a few things,
4: but one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about real, real briefly is, um, the ban that you tried and attempted and actually were, had strong ground and it looked like you were going to succeed, which, which was something that had never been tried before, which was a ban just on abortions over 20 weeks in the city of Albuquerque. So this was just a city wide ban on abortion. And so, um, well, it wasn't a lot to ask. It was just saying, here we are in Albuquerque, and let's just, at least in this city, not allow abortion after 20 weeks. And, Bud, maybe you could tell them a little bit about what Obama for Action and what Planned Parenthood did to, to um, sabotage that.
5: Well, the thing about it is, I mean, the pro-abortion community was petrified by the attempt to... Um, Bring the issue of restricting abortion to the local level. Never been tried before in the state of New Mexico. We've dealt with you know 41 years of, of obstruction in a so-called democratic um, state where democracy is supposed to be the be-all end-all. And um, in in Santa Fe, um, the legislature there um, kind of had um, these kill committees that wouldn't allow any pro-life legislation, even the most common sense. I, um, legislation like parental notification, not even parental consent. You know, since 1983, we haven't even been able to get parental notification out of committee um, to then go onto the floor for up or down vote. So they've been killing any attempt at any type of pro-life legislation whatsoever. And so this was really a, a roundabout, taking it to the people themselves through direct legislation. And so we able, were able to get um, signatures in, in a very short period of time. Uh, but, yeah, we, um, the rhetoric around um, – Albuquerque during the campaign was, you know, here's all these outside groups, outside interests are going to come in here and push their so-called morality upon the, the, the people of New Mexico. When in reality, you can go to Ballotopedia and see all the data on that um, referendum, and there was over a million dollars that came in uh, to the pro-abortion side from all across the nation. And so it was really just the opposite. It was really all the Planned Parenthood, I think, donated around 400 to 7,100. Uh, Seven hundred thousand dollars in this uh, attempt to, um, uh, you know, kill this um, referendum, and we also had BarackObama.com mobilizing his, um, you know, campaign uh, mobilization, get out the vote campaign here in Albuquerque. So we really were outspent, and um, we're up against, you know, the big machine here. But um, you know, we lost by ten percent. Um, really, the biggest issue that we found in the referendum is only nine percent. Only nine. 9- percent of registered voters came out and voted to try and enact um, that pro-life ban. And so that's really where we are in New Mexico. And so with Protest ABQ, it's kind of the response to the failed referendum. We say, look, you know what, we'll take it upon our side. Uh, we'll take it upon ourselves to say that we failed to reach deeper into the community to educate uh, the general public to what was really going on here in Albuquerque, and so that's why we're really in protest mode, really using all the different public venues and forums to really get the information out to the people about the reality of New Mexico and what it represents in the country. I mean, from the pro-abortion standpoint, and you can check all this information out at um, uh, protestabq.com, the facts page. The pro-abortion community considers New Mexico the number one state in the country that has the Uh, the most pro-abortion state in the country because it has zero uh, restrictions upon uh, women's reproductive health or i.e. abortion care and so from that standpoint um, the the pro-abortion community um, really champions uh, what they've been able to accomplish in New Mexico for the past 41 years we're having now come next week uh, to have their national um, kind of shindig here in Albuquerque to kind of so in our face to show the nation that um, Albuquerque in New Mexico really is, um, you know, the utopia that that the pro-abortion community has been able to um, weather all the different types of uh, common sense um, legislation that has been so successful um, all across the nation. Unfortunately, Albuquerque is still the wild wild west when it comes to abortion.
4: You know, it's I, I know that we Melissa and I know and all the way pro-life understands that this rhetoric and this this narrative that, that, that NOW and uh, Planned Parenthood and NARAL have all adopted, that somehow we're anti-woman. Um, right. but And we know that the reality is that the people that do the most harm to women are people that push abortion because of the mental health problems that it causes, the emotional health, the physical problems of, of women getting uh, constantly being transported to the hospital where they try to cover up in the 911 calls. You guys have been instrumental making sure those 911 calls are heard by the public. But what is it that you guys are doing to reach into that community and say, we are pro-women, we, are, we want women, we celebrate women, we're just not anti-mother, which is truly what they are. And, and what are you guys able to do to try to reach, or your plans anyway, to do to, to reach into that community and try to twist that narrative back to the, to the truth and back to the center, which says that we really are concerned about women because the women are the ones being hurt the
5: most of this. Yeah, well, let me, let me share with you what we've been able to do for the past four years since my wife and I have been um, in New Mexico. The first thing that we were able to do through a public records request is document serious, serious, serious abortion injuries in um, um, just two, abortion, two of the three abortion clinics um, in Albuquerque. And there was around, since, since 2008, we've documented over 16 horrific um, injuries and women, we don't know if they lived or died. Um, it really became a big um, uh, public relations nightmare for Southwestern Women Adoption when, um, uh, through our public records request, we were able to document a 35-week ruptured abortion uh, at the Southwestern Women Adoption. Um, Um, clinic where the woman um, basically have a hysterectomy and can never have children again. Uh, But we're able to document all kinds of horrific injuries that women sustain at the hands of these abortionists. Uh, These are women that go into an abortion clinic perfectly healthy. You know, pregnancy is not some kind of disease. In fact, women, when they're pregnant, my wife right now is 34 weeks pregnant, and she glows. You know, they talk about how, you know, you're the most healthiest when you're pregnant. So these are healthy women going in to surgical clinics, and all of a sudden they, they leave on a gurney. And here in New Mexico, we we're able to document serious, serious um, abortion-related injuries. And so based on those injuries, we were able to file medical board complaints on all of the different doctors associated with uh, injuries that we were able to document. Um, and um, then we were able to um, use a lot of this momentum for this um, – city referendum. Well, the thing about it is is whenever we documented all these um, horrific injuries through public records requests, the response of the city was to shut down our ability to obtain 911 from abortion clinics. Um, so that's been the response of the city is to not let the public know what's going on. Whenever we were able to accomplish a medical board um, investigation of that 35-week abortion, the response of the medical board uh, was to shut down the ability of um, the general public to file medical board complaints against abortion clinics. And then um, in response to our attempt for this city referendum, um, it's been placed um, in the hands of the mayor here, Mayor Berry. They've been talking about how they're going to actually change the city charter process for people to be able to petition through direct legislation. So every attempt that we've been trying um, to do to get the information out um, about the horrific injuries sustained to women at these clinics, um, and another thing that we're able to uh, make public is that none of the abortion in the state of New Mexico are ever inspected by the health department. We met with the governor, her chief of staff. Under oversees the health departments, and we haven't been able to get any type of momentum, um, even from our conservative um, pro-life governor, Susanna Martinez, and her administration. And so, um, our response to all this is protest ABQ, you know, we've we've um, you know come to a point where um, just right now, the time in our nation, um, a lot of our rights are slowly, slowly being eroded. Um, and so, really, the the ability for the general through the First Amendment, to peacefully assemble, uh, to um, to bring about um, information that the public will get no other way. We're really using protest ABQ as a public awareness campaign uh, to let the city and the state of New Mexico know what's really going on, and then we're hoping through a lot of this um, po- public mobilization, um, contacts, you know, everything that you talked about, Carrie, social media, and people don't understand. I mean, some of the work that Tara and do, a lot of times people think that's like the be-all end-all, but in reality, um, our work is only to a point of bringing about the information For then, people to then... Pick up their phone and make a phone call. Um, get online, shoot an email. Get on Twitter, um, do a tweet fest. Those are the things that really um, bring about the change. Um, and um, so. Uh, That really is the American, you know, um, beauty of America is that we the people have the right uh, to not just assemble But to really um, hold our representatives accountable to us the people And so that's what we're really doing right now through um, Protest ABQ And we're really hoping that Protest ABQ can be something that um, uh, we can utilize throughout the nation uh, To really finally um, rid um, the scourge of abortion once and for all
4: so that, now, when you say a, it, it's, some, it's coming sometimes, sounds a little bit like Protest 82, but it's Protest ABQ for Albuquerque. That's correct?
5: That's correct, Dot .com.
4: Dot .com, ProtestABQ.com. Okay, and, you know, one of the things that I've come to believe, I think what's so important is the strategy and how to overcome uh, this narrative that's being told, because it's just a story. Right now, their story against our story. But then there's the truth. Okay, so how do you get the truth out? And that's one of the reasons why uh, Troy Newman is uh, is someone that I consider a pro-life hero because when you document things that happen in those abortion clinics, when you document women being rushed to the hospital by uh, doctors that are not licensed, by the fact that they don't have any kind of standards, Less than a hair salon. A hair salons have a higher standard. That's pretty much typical around the country. When you document those things and you put them down, what can they say? What they're saying, of course, is, oh, this is just a setup. This, you guys just have an agenda. Your agenda is anti, anti-abortion. So what? <laughs> Reality is the truth. the truth. The truth will stand on its own. The truth is that you guys are endangering women for the sake of, of profit that you guys are killing babies, and that is a human life. It's not a debate, like Cecil Richards said the other day that um, it's disputed when human life begins. Well, I'm not aware of and I still keep my challenge out there for anyone that can show me an uh, an entomology textbook that shows any textbook that says that human life does not begin at conception. it does that's just that's a scientific fact. So you can say, well, Life begins when my children were born, but that would be like saying the earth is flat. And, and so it's just ironic how they, they're able to use their narrative, but that's how you battle the, the lies and the stories. It's not what Bud Shaver says. That's not what Cecil mm-hmm. Richards says. It's what the truth is. And the truth is that babies do feel pain, that uh, life does begin at conception, and that there is no health standards at all in these clinics and these people are desperately trying to make a profit and willing to do or say whatever it takes. And you know, then we can talk about all the dynamics of the people that want to believe that but somehow see this as uh, their right as a woman to make that choice. But it, 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 it would be like saying that if, if there was truly equal rights, then men would be able to make that choice too. I don't want you to have that kid. I mean, can you imagine if it was ever reversed and when men said, Look, if I'm going to have to pay for half of the cost of that child, I want to be able to choose whether or not the, child has, the, the mother has an abortion, too. I should have an equal say. What mm-hmm. if the father actually involved in that? And, and, of course, it's not her body. The baby is a separate DNA. The baby is not her body. So it is created by the father and the mother. And, um, I know you're doing a lot, bud, and, and uh, you've been under some, some pressure lately from the pro-life community. Can you talk a little bit about that?
5: Well, yeah, you know, I mean, um, Tara and myself, we um, are former Operation Rescue interns, and so we spent a year in Wichita, Kansas. All the different things I mentioned about the public uh, records request, the medical board, um, um, you know, um, complaints, and even, you know, really the um, city referendum was really um, us applying um, a strategy that Operation Rescue has proven to be so successful all across the country. And, um, you know, um, whenever you're Operation Rescue, sometimes people, um, you know, Think negatively of the public um, type of um, um, ability to, um, to get out into the public, um, whether it's at abortion clinics or just, um, you know, um, using the different um, public forums available to us. I mean, my, my wife and I also worked with survivors of the abortion holocaust. We brought them out here for the first ever Survivors ABQ camp. And um, that really stirred up a lot of tension um, in the community, raising the awareness about what is really going on in the late-term abortion capital of the country. And sometimes, you know, the pro-life community, um, you know, um, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but sometimes they want to kind of soften um, the, the issue of abortion. And really, abortion um, can't be softened. It's the brutal killing of innocent children. That, that really can't be sugar-coated or soft. Um, you know, sometimes when we use different tactics like showing um, the the, um, the abortion victims, um, sometimes that can be controversial. Um, also, you know, sometimes even just our language, like protest ABQ, that's, that's pretty strong rhetoric that we're using um, to um, – um, Uh, to talk about the issue of the injustice of abortion. And so, you know, we're kind of really just um, using graphic language, graphic um, imagery of what abortion is, and a lot of different proven strategies um, to really bring abortion to the forefront of our community. We're labeling um, Albuquerque as the late-term abortion capital of the nation. Sometimes, you know, when you're you're living in a city, you don't want your city to be stigmatized in that way. So, you know, sometimes, you know, um, there is – um, the 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 mentality um, to kind of um, you know tone down um, our, right. our our presence and our rhetoric. I mean, um, Operation Certainly Rescue of want
4: Albuquerque to be known as the late term uh, abortion capital of the country. I, I understand that's not exactly something that you're going to advertise. Let me ask you this though, Bud, and this is a tough question, and I just want I want to ask it as objectively as possible. I I watched because uh, you guys were covered by every news media outlet there was, and and of course, even MSNBC covered it because in this particular case they were dead set against what you were doing. And I watched uh, a, a reporter riot, i don't know—with you with someone in the truck that had the uh, picture of an aborted child on the side, and and uh, yeah, that their was statement was—that the, was, was me. That was you, okay? And and the state their statement was that um, all, that I would say nine—I can't remember the exact number they gave, but let's just say ninety percent of the people that you drove past. Um, stuck out their middle finger at you. Were angry and were were upset at what you were depicting, even though it's the truth. So, assuming that that is even partially true, um, how do you affect people without? And, and I know I know the argument on the side of, of showing the, the the blunt, sad, scary truth, but how do you affect people without? Without being quite so graphic. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but the, the other side is people that are saying, how can we, how can we put this message out to people without quite putting it out there that far and, and having kids and, and
5: everyone see that? So, what would be your did, response did, the response? The reality is that we're living in a supportive culture. We're not just talking about 55 million children that have been killed through abortion. We're talking about 55 million women. Another 55. Um, men, that's 110 million people. Then we're also talking about 55 million siblings. That's another 200, 300, 400. We're talking about grandparents, cousins. I mean, we're living in a post-abortive culture. And so a lot of the things that we talk about um, when we deal with other types of injustices, we understand when we're talking about child abuse we need to understand what type of child abuse we're talking about. And so people will put that very visually into the forefront of people's minds. Sex trafficking, um, all these different grave injustices, the Nazi Holocaust. We see, I mean, Schindler's List was passed out to every single high school, high school in our nation. And so the reality is is we're dealing with a post-abortive culture. So everyone that wants to shy away from the reality of what we're talking about, the graphic, brutal killing of innocent children, unfortunately our culture uh, which is a post-abortive culture. Um, really, the implications of what 40, 41 years of abortion of a man has accomplished in our country. Um, we don't really like um, to think about it. We don't like to see it. We don't want to, um, you know, uh, uh, even deal with it. And so that's 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 what we're talking about when we're dealing with any type of. Um, you know, confrontational response to just bringing up the subject of abortion or showing um, the abortion um, victim photography. And so, realistically, what we need to get to a point right now, and I think this is what the city referendum in Albuquerque kind of showed us, is that only 9% of the registered voters in Albuquerque took it seriously enough to get up on November 19th and vote for this ban. And so, realistically, the heart of our city and our state really needs to be touched and really needs to change concerning the grave injustice of of, uh, children violently being killed every single day in our our state. Mm -hmm. And so until the heart of our country and the heart of our state changes – You know, we're going to continue to see another 41 years of abortion. The thing about the abortion victim photographies talking um, graphically about um, the brutal killing of innocent children. What that immediately does is it invokes a natural response um, to every single person that that comes in contact with that type of um, imagery is, you know, a choice. Uh, What are you going to do about the reality that's taking place? And unfortunately, you know, we're dealing with a culture um, that, you know, you know, sometimes want to do so much more uh, for a team that they're rooting for or doing so much more for all these other different things. They don't really want to do what it takes um, to end um, a horrific injustice um, um, that we're dealing with with abortion. And so the, 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 the rhetoric and the, and, the, and the graphic imagery, whether through our language, or the images themselves, it, emote, it invokes an immediate, what are you going to do about this? And so Mm -hmm. that's sometimes what we deal with when we deal with people who make excuses about, well, how dare you? I think it's very telling when you say, you know, MSNBC says that the type of um, response that every single person um, immediately came to when when they were confronted with the horror of abortion was upset. They were upset. And guess what? That's 100% successful. We all should be ex- upset about the reality of what's taking place not in our city but in our country. Now the question is what are we going to do about it? Are we going to lift a middle finger or are we going to lift our fingers and our hearts time and our efforts to do whatever, anything? We're not going to micromanage what people can do to end abortion uh, but you know, do something um, to end the horrific injustice that these images depict. And so I think you know, immediately like the MSNBC um, coverage shows is that um, when we use the graphic um, imagery of abortion violence, hearts are immediately touched. And so, you know, that's what we really need to do um, collectively as the pro-life community, and that's what we're trying to do through Protest ABQ. And, um, you know, uh, we're going to be calling on uh, pro-life leaders throughout the entire nation um, on January 22nd. Um, to do a national strike. We're using, we're using proven strategies like the civil rights era of um, uh, mobilizing uh, mass numbers of people um, out onto the streets um, to, um, to rally against um, horrific injustice. Um, that's what we're doing here in Albuquerque through protest ABQ. We have a lot of different public awareness forms that we're using. Just this morning, we're out um, on the overpasses. Uh, with um, our images of abortion victims and just um, statements about the abortion, uh,
4: the national, uh, But I'm sorry, but I don't mean to interrupt you. What was the date you just said for? Uh, you asking national people to get involved all over the country. What was that date?
5: It to be January 22nd, uh, 2015. Now, my wife and I were in the process right now of putting. The, we're going to. I'm giving you a little sneak preview of what we're probably going to drop on Tuesday nationally, and um, we're going to be calling on national leaders uh, to, um, to join in a national strike, um, um, to, um, you know, not go to work. And we really would encourage people to go down to, um, you know, Washington, D.C. would be a great place for people to come and be mobilized on January 22nd. But if people can't get out to um, Washington, D.C., we just want people to not go to work um, on January 22nd and literally shut the country down um, just for a day. Um, It was very uh, successful in the Solidarity Movement um, um, in Poland, um, where they were able to shut down the city and basically kicked out the Russian invasion that um, had taken over Poland at that time. So the strategies that Tara and I utilize here in Albuquerque are proven strategies um, that are known uh, to have an immediate and a direct impact. And so that's what we're bringing here to Albuquerque um, and what we hope the pro-life um, community at large throughout the nation um, can do um, to um, the horrific injustice that's taking place in each one of our cities.
4: I want, to, I want to talk to you more about that, and as, as time gets by, I'm sure that uh, Leticia will have you on the program um, because I think that's a yeah. great idea. We pick a day. Everybody can do it in their own city. And what a great time, too, if you're missing work, is to have a family-related event because we're, what we're doing is not anything that we wouldn't invite kids to. So we have a family-related event all over the country, and everybody miss work and, and, and spend together time, make it a positive thing for the family itself, the family unit, that's time to spend with your kids, and I think that's, that's a great idea. What I'd like to to end up by saying is this, that when we all see, and I, for anybody that's listening out there, I would encourage everyone to do this, and I do, and I think all, all of us try to, but even more so, when you see something by, uh, and, and get on Operation Rescue, and get their daily, uh, click on their Facebook page and get their feed, get, Albu- uh, get, get Buzz, get mine. And when you see a news story out about an abortion clinic where an abortionist was arrested, where a 911 call was made, the way that information is best disseminated is from a grassroots level, which is what Bud was saying earlier. If every one of us take a moment and just go to the share button and click share, make a little comment and say, please share this, and share it. And then as that spreads across, of course we can do that through tweeting as well, but but that's for something people on Facebook that don't tweet can do everybody share those stories of abortion clinic horrors. There's hundreds of them out there, and and, and I I think Operation Rescue and and, um, which Project 52, I'm sorry, I call you Project 52 all the time, but which Protest Albuquerque uh, is part of, uh, does a great job. So when you go through all that trouble of getting that 911 call, people need to hear that. And when people hear that, there's no disputing it, there's no debating it, It and it doesn't matter what anybody's, Agenda is that is the truth. That phone call took place. That woman was transported to the hospital. That mother that mother died. That happened. You can't deny the truth. Right. So and, uh, and, I and think we're getting, getting close. Melissa, are we getting close to running out of time yeah. here?
3: No, no. I wasn't gonna. I was just okay. actually just gonna what you said. Um, it's important. Um, because people. You know, people want to get involved. In, well, for the most part, people want to do something. Um, those who who are consider themselves to be actively pro-life, and you know, sharing a a story on Facebook um, that is a big deal. You know, and so these are ways that we can encourage people to be involved and to say something and to spread the news and to make people aware and to educate their friends and their family. Um, because you know, I've shared things before, and and I've had. Friends say, I didn't know that that was going on. I had no idea. Thank you for, you know, sharing this, you right. know. And I think that we we think that it will have a negative, the, the opposite effect when actually educating people is what we need to be focused on doing.
5: That's correct. And one thing, if you go to our com, check on our Get Involved tab, you'll see that there's a place for everybody. There should be a place mm-hmm. for everybody in the pro-life community. Even if people aren't comfortable with the graphic imagery of abortion photography, we don't have to feel that people have to utilize that tactic, but we have to uh, provide an opportunity um, and a forum for every single person to feel comfortable, to feel passionate, <coughs> to use their spiritual giftedness, where God feels them called to, to deal with this horrific injustice. I think that if every single person just did one thing, even if it's just said one tweet, if every single person, who self-identified pro-life just sent one email If one person who was self-identified um, As pro-life just prayed one prayer You'd see the uh, the, the Significant amount of um, um, Power uh, and, um, yeah. and and mobilization and, 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 and right. that we have And so you know, we don't so, have to tell we people see a story that's
4: me. been on the local news And that's one of the things that you guys do And we can all do that Is if you're located mm-hmm. in a city where that happened Everyone should be calling that TV station that's You not, know I I did a post on my Facebook page the other day, and um, I think there's a a, a pro-lifer that says, gee, that's a shame. They're they're the kind of pretend pro-lifers, and they don't want to do anything. You ask them to make a phone call to a legislator. You ask them to report an abortion doctor. uh, You ask them to, to talk about something that's happening in a clinic. Just make one phone call, make one comment, get it registered with the legislature or whoever you're calling. That's all we're asking you to do. And, mm-hmm. and you see that post just remain untouched. No likes. no I called, I called, and this is what they said to me. And so I encourage everyone, no, don't just be someone that says you're pro-life. Don't be someone mm-hmm. like uh, Chris Christie who says he's pro-life but doesn't want to talk about it. Don't mm-hmm. be someone like Susan Martinez who calls herself a pro-life governor of Albuquerque but will do nothing to stop abortion till day of birth. Mm-hmm. You know, we we well, Carrie, can't just say, I'm pro-life and do nothing other than to say that. Then that makes us no
3: different. Carrie, I was going to ask you, do you think that within the pro-life community and those who consider themselves to be pro-life, um, that there's this defeatist attitude that we can't do anything, so this is just how it is, and so why share this Facebook post? Why post this? Why call? Why sign this petition? Why show up at a march? Why, why do a rally? Why do anything? I find this attitude when I'm talking to people that they're just, they, they hate abortion, but they just don't think that they can personally do anything about it.
4: You know, I'm afraid that's out there, but that's because it's the same situation in our, in our government. Look, let's, let's be honest. We have a very liberal news media that doesn't even, that will cover only things that affect them. We talked about them not covering the Gosnell trial. Take a look at what happened. NBC did a poll. NBC did a poll, do you think President Obama is an effective leader? And 54% of Americans said, no, we no longer feel he has the ability to be an effective leader. They did not even put that poll on their own nightly broadcast. Mm
1: So what are
4: we hearing? What are we hearing? We're hearing what they want us to hear. But the truth is, and the polling, and and that's that's why people need to pay attention to polls, is that the tide has turned, and, and Bud knows this, and we all know this, that more people are now pro-life than were pro-choice, and part of that has been the wonderful work with students and the young people. And you you read about, you read these stories about kids that I, I read a story I think it was yesterday. So people went to the UN, and uh, the agenda was women's reproductive health, and all these young people started speaking out. Wait, we're not for reproductive health. We're for people that want us. We want people that are for life, and and so the young people speaking out and the change in the culture has taken place, and the tide is turning, and and, you, and that's the problem. I think I think you're right, Melissa. I think although we're we're assuming that we're losing the battle, we're winning the battle, and, and so it's important I think to be positive. You know, like it, it embarrasses me sometimes, but if I wanted to make if I wanted to get a hundred people to like a post on Facebook. I'd have my wife fix me dinner and take a picture of the plate and say, but there's delicious meal Tanya just made, <laughs> and everybody would like it. Then I would say, I could put, put a post up, man, my dinner really sucked, and showing an old beat-up hot dog, and nobody would pay attention to it because people want to hear good news. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> but the true. good news
4: is there. Let's talk about the truth, which is the and show's, there more more women, especially women, which is so important, because the rhetoric going around the narrative is that as a man you cannot speak out about abortion because you know you're not mm-hmm. a you're not a woman, you're never going to have a child, you don't know what it's like. Okay, 70% of women are against late-term abortion. That's a fact, and mm-hmm. that's done through pro-life work. And so we all need to be encouraged. And I think you're right, and I think it's important that we. So we take a minute and remember that as we, we point out all the horrible things that are going on in abortion, to stop and say, let's remind people that we're accomplishing something. In fact, you know, you, you encouraged me, Melissa, when I hang up and we're done with this interview today. I'm going to make sure I put a positive post up about the latest polling. And, and, and that's not hard. You don't have to be uh, an expert. Google. That's what Google's that's for. Google the latest polls on pro-life and see what it says. And I, I can tell you right now what they say. We're winning. That's we're winning the battle. So uh-huh. let's talk about that and, and
3: uh, do good. that. Absolutely. That's a very I, good point. I really
4: appreciate you coming on, and I know that you've been a tremendous uh, hardworking person, and, and uh, I envy that you got work, spent so much time with Troy. Troy and I have become uh, closer and closer, and Troy has done some amazing things. And you, know, you were talking earlier about uh, Operation Rescue because because in the past, back in the 80s when everybody was doing the wild and crazy stuff and, and handcuffing themselves to the clinic doors, uh, people try to remember that. And, and I can assure you that MSNBC and Rachel Maddow and all of them are going to remind you about that, but it's kind of like the Bush thing. After a while, you've you got to stop blaming George Bush, you know. How long mm-hmm. has it been Dr. Tiller was killed? How long has it been since an abortion clinic was bombed? It's been a long time. It's, it was just There's a couple of crazy people on every side, you know. So we just need to, to move mm-hmm. past that. And Operation Rescue right now, to me, as a premier organization. They accomplish it because they're shutting down abortion clinics. They're exposing them to the light. And one thing I think we all three agree here today is we're Christians. We love the Lord. And it's very clear that when you mm-hmm. shine light on evil, that evil will expose itself. And when people see Absolutely. genuine evil and abortion clinics are genuinely evil and abortion doctors are doing something evil, then... They will expose themselves. They will trip over their own feet. All you've got to do is step back, shine the light, and let other people see the truth. And that's what we're speaking is the truth. We're not having to hide anything. We don't have to go with the narrative. We can speak the truth. So, Bud, I appreciate your time today, man. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to say?
5: I just wanted to say, like, you know, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus, but, Jesus, in his, Jesus during his day and his culture, you know, w- was considered an agitator by the Jewish community. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in his uh, day and his culture was was considered a, a, an outside agitator. Uh, but history has shown the fruits of Jesus Christ's ministry. We've been talking about him 2,000 years later. Um, history has proven Martin Luther King Jr.'s strategy um, um, that, that it was able to end um, the, the horrific injustice of, of his era. And so those different types of use of social tension, um, creatively um, getting out there and rallying against the powers that be um, in our time, in our age, when it comes to the most horrific injustices of our time, then um, history will be able to prove uh, to those, um uh, that that come after us you know um the fruit of our work and so you know we'll just let um henry um you know judge the fruit of our efforts uh, while we all do it for the praise glory and honor um, of our of our lord and savior Jesus. Right, and because we are Christians, you know, um, you talk about um, Melissa, um, the fact that, you know, so many people who self-identify as pro-life don't feel like there's very much they can do. well Well, we talk about our faith, our Christianity now coming under assault. Are we going to say, you know what, look, I'm not going to live out my Christian faith anymore because I don't know if it's going to be offensive to my culture or not. Well, no. The thing about it is, is that we have to be that much more bold with our faith in Christianity to to redeem um, our culture um, in the name of Christ. And so that's what we as the pro-life community have to do as well is, is utilize um, the passion that we have and the science and the, and the apologetics um, that we have, the position and the logic that we have on our side, and be proactive in bringing that to the general public.
3: Amen. We, we, have, so, like I said, we have so much on our side. We, we have truth on our side. We have the logic, evidence. Reason and, and most of all, we have Christ on our side. So we definitely uh, have to go forth with this message and not back down and, and uh, do all that we can in, that's in our power.
4: If you guys know Francis I don't know if you know, if you know who Francis Chan is, but Francis Chan has a great, very short video, and uh, it, it's talking about eternity. And what he's done is he's taken a rope and he's stretched it across the entire room probably uh, three football fields long. And he's taken this long, long rope, and he calls it the rope of eternity. And then he takes mm-hmm. a piece of red tape, and it's about one inch of red tape. And he says, this one inch is your life on earth. The rest is mm-hmm. eternity. What you do with your one inch of time here determines what's going to happen for eternity. And if you look mm-hmm. at yeah. it visually like that, then you know what? So what if, you're, if people say there's that pro-life nut job? Hey, I am a pro-life nut job. You know, articles as uh, the pro-abortion or the anti-abortion activists. Fine, I'm an anti-abortion activist. Call me mm-hmm. whatever you want. But you know what? Once that little red line is reached and I'm, I'm over that red line and I'm into the rest of eternity, I know what I have in store for me. And the question is, what did they have in store for them? And how, how forgiving is a God going to be for someone that refused to repent, that spent their life?
1: killing innocent children mm. yeah and I but told us again how, much. yeah ahead, that's a
3: that's a that's a lot to to think about and something that we should ponder um as we go forth in in this pro-life movement and um in our in our christian walks um i was just going to ask but how people can uh get in touch with you again i know you mentioned the website earlier so if you could tell yeah. it to
5: us again Sure, protestabq. dot com, and also we have a protestabq Facebook page. Okay, right. A lot
1: of good and stuff I, on there,
4: and it's definitely worth going to.
3: Absolutely. Thank so make me. sure you uh, uh, like their Facebook page and get information. And they have some wonderful strategies um, that we can all employ in our own cities um, to fight the evils of abortion. So um, as we're as we're trying to be uh, um, people who are um, strategizing and thinking of, of new and creative ways, um, and as well as looking at the past and strategies that were used, um, Bud and, and Tara Shaver are definitely some great resources to help us in
0: that.
4: And just remember, okay. everyone has a chance to get involved. It's just If it's just simply seeing a post about an abortion clinic closing or a doctor uh, being arrested or a crime being committed in an abortion clinic and just clicking that share button and putting it on your own timeline, and maybe that will create a conversation with someone um, that may mm-hmm. turn them around. But that's how we as, as, as pro-life Christians can do our little part. There's so many little things you can do, and, uh, you know, so do them. You know, don't be a pro-life person in name only. It's very simple to get involved. Make those phone calls. When you see a phone number on there it says call this legislator, make a phone call. It's 60 seconds. Everybody's got a, a cell phone. It's free to make the call. They, they're, they're polite. The people on the other end, whether they agree with you or not, they'll take it down and your numbers count. And so we have a voice and but, but we can't just say tsk, tsk, that's a shame. That's not going to work. But we all can do something. And, and all of us mm-hmm. pulling can accomplish a lot. I just right. want to thank mm-hmm. you guys for having me on as as the guest host today. I want to thank Melissa for yeah. making this easy and and, Bud, you've been a tremendous guest. I appreciate you filling in at the last minute here for, for been us. Been great. And, uh, yeah. We're hoping that Troy will come on next uh, next Friday. I'm going to talk to Leticia about that. I know she's out of town okay. right now. So.
1: But that thanks for wonderful. having
4: me, guys. And it's, yeah. it's, always, uh, it's always a pleasure to come on the show, and I will talk to you again next Friday. And thanks for yeah. being here.
5: God bless. Thank you both. You Thank guys. you. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye.
3: And you've been listening to another episode of True Life Fridays on Blog Talk Radio and on the True Radio Network. Thank you so much for being here, um, joining us during the show. We've had tremendous guests today, and a lot of great information has been shared. And I hope that you take this information, use it, um, go forth, um, don't uh, get weary as we fight the fight for life, and uh, as we fight the culture of death, continue to um, stay prayed up, and continue to be encouraged. And we look forward to seeing you next week with another uh, great show and with my other two co-hosts, Letitia Wong and Thomas Smith, will be back with us as well. And uh, we look forward to, to being with you all. Have a wonderful weekend. God bless. See you next week.